Turn in your Bible to Hosea chapter 7. If you haven't been here for a while, uh, you may think, wait, weren't we done with Hosea last year? No, we weren't. We got halfway through it. And we're going to continue through that today. We had a wonderful break for Advent season and looking at God's Word in the songs of, uh, the songs of Christmas. Uh, it was a wonderful time together. And then Shane brought, well, Shane brought the Word last Sunday. And we are grateful for him and his pastoral ministry here in the church. I want to kind of <clears throat> springboard off of that, though, today as we dive back into Hosea chapter 7. Because I want us to listen rightly. And what I don't mean by that is that you can just go home and repeat everything that I said. Actually, may God's word be what thrives in this church and not my words. So it's not about just going home and being able to repeat line for line what's preached on a Sunday morning or that in your community group it's just regurgitating the, oh, I like the second point, oh, I like the third point, and, and things like that. It's actually living these things out. You see, that, that's the call to the individuals that make up the church. Not just to know these things, but to live in the good of them and that they would shape and transform our lives in the way that we live. And so as Shane is addressing us last Sunday on a, a subject of cynicism, one that can so easily creep in slowly over time and then all at once as it becomes devastating in our lives. Hosea kind of takes a similar approach. And so we're going we're to be uh, catching back up with the prophet Hosea and following up on his uh, living illustration from his marriage and, and the topic of spiritual adultery, something that it seems like I don't really like using the word adultery, let alone spiritual adultery. It means that you're giving yourself to other things throughout the week. And yet, isn't that what God's word so often calls us back from? When it says to return to him. It's what the theme of our worship was this morning. That we need re-surrender to him. And how kind of God. As our great shepherd. To not only lead us and guide us with the rod and the staff. As he, as he corrects our steps. As he hymns us in. Even from ourselves. But that he would, that he would pour oil over us. That he would bring restoration and healing in a way that, that even just takes away the annoyances of life. And, and you know, many of us come in this morning with those annoyances and those gnats that kind of buzz around our souls. And yet the living God wants to speak to us today through his word. And he wants to make claims on us as his people. And he wants to give us direction for how it is that we should live. And he wants to say, I want to protect you from going there because of the dangers that are there. And in the midst of what may be dangerous circumstances in life, whether it's a, a result of your own actions or no actions of your own, in the midst of that, I want to show you how I'm near to you in the midst of that. And I want to call you back to myself. And so this morning, I think it's important that we listen rightly as we begin to look at the four images that are, are kind of shown for us in Hosea chapter 7. Now this year, there are a few things that we're going to go through after the, after the series in Hosea. We're going to look at the book of Galatians and what it looks like to, to have a life that walks in step with the Spirit. And we're going to look at 
at the elements of, of bread and wine and why are those significant scripturally as we go into the time of Easter. This summer, we're going to spend some time in the summer in the Psalms. This, this fall, we'll be in First Peter and then we'll be back in Advent season. There's, there's much that we have to look forward to as a church But let's not get so far ahead of ourselves and looking forward to those things for the year that we miss what it is that God wants to do in us today. That we miss the things where we're we're so far planning, even to the rest of the day, that we miss what it is that he wants to reveal about himself and about ourselves and how it is that Christ is the one who comes in and mediates that relationship between God the Father and us as his people. Let's not miss those things today. God's already revealed in the book of Hosea how how his heart is jealous for our affections. That's not language we often use when it comes to God, like God is jealous. Well, what it's saying is don't have any other gods before you other than me. I'm jealous that I would be your only source of hope and help. Turn to no other. God is jealous for our affections. And as we continue through the book, we're going to see his holiness. We're going to see his, his justice and we're going to see his love and how those things don't stand opposed to one another. They don't cause one aspect of God's character doesn't cause the other aspect to be diminished or repelled at all. No, they all perfectly exist in the one who created us and calls us to be his people. So can we begin today actually just taking one verse of a step back? into Hosea chapter 6, and let's read together. For you also, O Judah, a harvest is appointed when I restore the fortunes of my people, when I would heal Israel. You know, I'm tempted to just stop there. I'm tempted to just stop there because that's beautiful language, isn't it? Cling to that as we continue to read. The iniquity of Ephraim is revealed. And the evil deeds of Samaria, for they deal falsely. The thief breaks in and the bandits raid outside. But they do not consider that I remember all their evil. Now their deeds surround them. They are before my face. You know, God calls his people back to them, and and there are times that that individuals will respond to that, but then there are others that will kind of scorn those moments. They look at it and say, here's another opportunity for me to, to respond, and so I'll just continue to wait until it's absolutely necessary, as if that's their choice to make. They have this thought of, I'll return when it's convenient to me, and God says, I will make claims For my name and not your convenience on your life. And that can be difficult at times for us to wrestle through because it's like we have these pictures of God. You you may walk around and have this picture of God that it either stands in this way where he's like this mighty warrior. Stephanie and I are going through the the Chosen series. We're a little late to the game. Apologies for that. But we're, we're seeing how it is that they're building in what we see in the disciples. They are with him and they're like, uh, mighty conqueror, Right? Oh, carpenter from Nazareth, not exactly what I thought was going to be happening. You may have that picture as well. This Revelation's picture of God where he is the one who is mighty and judging and he rides in on the horse and he swoops you up into his arms because you're one of the righteous ones. 
And so your life is all about accomplishing righteousness for yourself. Rather than casting yourself on the mercy of God. Perhaps you're one here today and and you think, I can't relate to that picture at all because the way that I think of God is a tender and loving father. Tender and loving father who just wraps his arms around me and embraces me and just holds me near and dear and close to himself. And as I I sense that, I just lean into that moment and I just, I never want to leave that sense of his presence being with me. And God is both. And what he is revealing to us through Hosea 7 and these four images, we're going to get to two of them today, is that we need both in our lives. We need to understand him as both. Hosea is going to, through his prophetic utterance, he's going to liken Israel to an oven, a partially baked cake, a senseless dove, and a treacherous bow. We're going to look today to the kitchen. We're going to head to the kitchen. Seems like a fine moment to say if you can't stand the heat to get out. But I think the heat is the point. The heat of the kitchen is the point in Hosea chapter 7. See, in Hosea 7, he's pointing to the condition of our hearts before the Lord. He, He wants to hold out this precious promise that he wants to redeem us and he wants to strengthen us as we turn to him. Not to any other gods. So step into the kitchen with me. Hosea chapter 7 verse 3. By their evil deeds, they make the king glad and the princes by their treachery. They are adulterers. They are like a heated oven whose baker ceases to stir the fire. From the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. On the day of our king, the princes become sick with the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand with the mockers. For with hearts like an oven, they approach with their intrigue. All night, their anger smolders. In the morning, it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven. And they devour their rulers. All their kings have fallen, and none of them calls upon me. Ephraim mixes himself with the peoples. Ephraim is like a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength. And he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him. And he knows it not. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Yet they do not return to the Lord their God. Nor seek him for all of this. What are we supposed to do with that? How how do we hear a prophetic word like that and say, yes, Lord, your will be done? I mean, that's that's what we know. That's what we've been trained over the years. That's, That's the right first response, right? Sure. But how are we supposed to live out of the good of that? Well, we we look at the text and we we ask some questions of it, like, why Ephraim? Why this this aspect of of the the tribes that make up the nation of Israel and Judah? I mean, all throughout Hosea, we've seen southern kingdom, northern kingdom, Israel, 
Ephraim, we've heard all of these different phrases, and I don't know why it is, but this week, for some reason, as I was looking at who Ephraim is, they, they were this kind of mountainous clan. They were the, the people who were separated out from the city, and, and I just couldn't get the picture out of my head of Wakanda. I mean, I know, you know, the, the very real place of Wakanda forever. And if you've seen the movie, maybe this will help. I mean, for some, this is going to be toxic to your faith. For others, this might be helpful. I don't know. I pray it's helpful for all of us. But I was thinking about the tribe that, that doesn't really show up because they're just kind of in the mountains. And they're watching from afar. The, the Jabari tribe, they're, they're watching from afar. And then when they show up, what do they say? We have been watching how it is that you've been deluding your faith. And so there's this sense of, well, Ephraim, they, they shouldn't be touched by the things of the world. No, no, they, they've removed themselves from the political discourse. They, or maybe discord. They've, they've removed themselves from the midst of that. They can't be affected by the things of the world because they are so postured high. So why Ephraim? Separating ourselves from one another isn't going to be what removes what's going on in our hearts. That's why Ephraim. That, that, that's why he reveals it in this way. You don't need to be a part of some mountainous clan to live this pious life. You can do that in your cubicle. And he wants to show you how. And he starts by painting a picture for you. Imagine an oven that's gotten out of control. Now, I'm grateful for the technology of today that I don't deal with ovens in the same way that food was prepared for the nation of Israel. But what Hosea is painting for us is a picture of what God sees as the problem with passions at times. When they are unchecked, they can consume and burn out of control. I have a question for you today. What are you burning for? What are you burning for? We're all burning for something. I bet it shows up in your conversations. Recently, I made the best $40 purchase I've ever made in my life. I bought a flamethrower. I highly recommend it. It is therapy for my soul. But I am regularly keeping in check what I point that thing at. Yeah? Yeah, even Stephanie said, thank goodness. Whew. We have to keep in check what the passions of our own hearts burn for. And, and here's the thing. Hosea isn't calling us today to be dispassionate. Hosea is calling us to be rightly passionate. See, we're supposed to burn for someone. It's not each other. It's not this building or this church. It's not your career that you're building. It's not your family or your relationships. It's not your bank account or your golf score. It's not your team. It's not even good things like the season ahead or the season behind. 
We are called, no matter where we are, no matter what's going on, to burn with a passion for the Lord. And Hosea wants to say, if you're burning for anything else, you're one of the spiritual adulterers that God is calling back to himself. So I have a question for you. What is it that reveals what you're burning for today? If I've talked to you lately, you might think it's the flamethrower. I love talking about that thing. I'm having so much fun. Maybe your news feed on social media shows what it is that you're burned for. Maybe your For You page on Instagram shows what it is that you burn for, but nobody else can see that. Maybe your LinkedIn profile shows what it is that you burn for as you work to build a career and you leave the bodies of your family in the wake. What is it that you burn for and what is it that reveals it? Is it your checkbook? Is it your calendar? Because there's something that reveals what you're burning for. And here's the thing. If it reveals that you're burning for anything other than the Lord, you're burning for the wrong thing. And God is graciously... And in his mercy today saying, return to me. Dial that passion in rightly. It could even be good things that you think like, well, my family, that's something I should be passionate about. Sure. But don't make your, idols fa- your family idols. They will fail you. Don't make your career an idol. It will fail you. Don't make your relationships with others an idol. They will fail you. Don't make your health, your bank account, anything, your your reputation, your status. Don't make any of those things what it is that you burn for because they will fail you. If they don't consume you, they will themselves be one day consumed. And we have God saying, return to me. See, it would be easy to just look at this and say, well, he must be talking about sexual passion. He's talking about spiritual adultery. So he must just, sure, but not just that. Not just that. He might be just speaking to those that they just flame up with anger as if he's a character on a Pixar movie. Maybe uncontrolled emotions. Maybe it's just the guy that's overly competitive on on the field. Sure, he's speaking to them. But he's speaking to all of us individually today. And he's speaking to Metro Life Church gathered here today. Not even just Ephraim. Not even just the nation of Israel. Through God's word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is speaking to each one of us today and saying, burn rightly. See, Hosea 7, 3 through 7 is an example of uncontrolled, unchanneled fire that destroys. The other night I was playing with my flamethrower And I heard sirens in the background. And I thought they were for me because I'd hit a patch of vine that, well, it smoked a lot. So we're not going to have any mosquitoes on our property for a week or two. But I would have thought, oh, those sirens are for me. Finally, I've been caught. I, I did check Altamont Springs' website, full disclosure. I don't remember anything clear on there about whether or not I'm, I'm allowed to just light fires around my property. That's clear, right? That'll stand up in court. 
But this was a particularly smoky day. And I thought, well, I've been caught now. The jig is up. What is burning uncontrolled for you today? That your friend, that your spouse, that your family has come to you and said, these are sirens to say I'm here for you. By the way, it was not sirens for me. (laughs) But what are those things that your friends are saying, I see this burning wrongly in you? Maybe I should ask it this way. Do you have friends enough to say, I see something burning wrongly in you? Because if you don't, get some. Don't try to live this life on your own. Don't, don't try to live this Christian life in a way that just says, I've got this. If God wanted it out of me, he'd reveal it. Maybe he is and you're just not listening. See, make no mistake, we are called to be on fire. And the Holy Spirit burns out the chaff and sets us ablaze with radiance for the glory of God. Our will to do the will of God. Our emotions that channel his love and compassion. Our minds aflame with the truth. We're called to be on fire as Christians. But burn rightly. See, through Christ's work... My human nature, your human nature, our human nature can become fuel for the flame of the Holy Spirit to burn through us. That's what I mean by burn brightly. And when you begin to burn rightly, don't hesitate to burn brightly wherever you are. Bring the light that has been revealed to you into the dark places that you may be called in your life. Burn rightly. And burn brightly. Let's, let's look at Hosea chapter 7, verse 8 again. I just want to, I want to look at this again before we get into this next picture so that we, we kind of parse it out rightly. Ephraim mixes herself with the peoples. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers devour his strength and he knows it not. Gray hairs are sprinkled upon him. He knows it not. The pride of Israel testifies to his face, yet they do not return to the Lord their God nor Seek him for all this. So we're still in the kitchen, but, but Hosea goes from the oven to the baker now. And, and the product of what's being baked, he turns to the cake. He's speaking to Israel, which is represented through this tribe of Ephraim. It's not just the oven, but it's the baker that's, that's playing in here. But first Hosea says that Ephraim mixes himself with other peoples. Now, what the reference is here is, we need to make this clear, the reference here is a reliance for military might from other nations. The reliance of military might from other nations. In other words, God says, I'm going to protect you. And the people of God say, that's not enough. So we're going to turn to the left or to the right of our borders. That's what it means that Ephraim mixes. There's, there's something else in the mix. In other words, I'm not completely putting my trust in God to protect. I'm going to hedge my bets through my, through my neighboring nations. The reason I think it's important to understand that r- rightly is to understand the call to trust in Jesus alone. 
This has nothing to do with marriage. This has nothing to do with nation. This has nothing to do with mixes of races or anything like that. Understand rightly, there will be no God but God before you. That's what this is about. No other God before me. And so let us be a church that understands rightly. See, the image, not only did the baker fail to stir the fire, the baker also failed to knead the dough because he he neglected to flip the cake over. So in other words, he's only half baking that cake. What is it that Hosea is trying to get after the people of Israel? What is it that that God through his Holy Spirit is trying to get after in us today? Do you have a half-baked faith? Do you have a faith that feels like it needs to need something else into the mix? Do you have a faith that says, I have faith in God every Sunday morning when we're singing, but the rest of the week I can really struggle with that? God says you have a half-baked faith. See, there's a problem with being half-baked. Nobody wants that. I mean, we've all seen the shows. It's when I even feel good about my baking skills. I'm not even under the lights of television. I'm, you're watching this, you're just going, that, that baker as I'm eating out of the ice cream tub, you know, directly, like, that baker couldn't do anything, right? You know, like, like I could do any better. And it's funny when it's on a show like that, but when it comes to our faith, what, what is our witness as, as Christians, as those who follow Jesus Christ, what is our witness as Christians when Christ is not enough for our circumstances? Do you have a half-baked faith? Here's the good news. God's calling you to turn it over to him. God's calling you to turn it over to him. He's saying to you, watch, watch what I can do. I will will need you rightly through the circumstances of your life. I will have the oven set to just the right temperature. Uh, through the, the, the family and those that are around you, I will place you in there and then at just the right time I will intervene and I will show you I am still strong and I am in control so your faith can be in me completely. But you know what we get to be a part of? Turning it over to him. What is God calling you to turn over to him today? What is God saying? You know, you've stayed a little too long in your faith on this side. You're getting a little burnt. Nobody wants a cake with a moist underside. Nobody needs that in their life. Something where it's charred on one side like like you're trying to deworm a dog. And it's uncooked on the other side. Even Paul Hollywood will spit that out of his mouth on, on great British baking championship. I'm not eating that. What is God calling you to turn over to him today? Where is he saying... We've, we've been here a little too long. Time for some more work on the other side. See, in this image, not only is the baker the one who is shown to be incompetent, those who make up the people of God show their ignorance and their pride. They refuse to seek him even though their idolatry is producing greater suffering for them. They were charred on the side of having false hopes in other nations, but they were soggy in their relationship with God. They 
Imagine a nation called the people of God with more allegiance to Baal than to the God who had prevailed on their behalf. So it is possible for us to be half-baked Christians with a soggy side. But let's declare today, not in my life, not in my house, not in my church. I think we can admit that there are times that we are overcooked when it comes to relying on people, but undercooked when it comes to putting our trust in God. Maybe our soggy side exposes our anxieties and our worries and our fears. These are all emotions given, us to, uh, given to us by God, but what are they revealing about our faith? Can we be a church that would quickly confess a one-sided faith when we're considering the quality of it? How about this? We may be filled with truth on one side, but when it comes to practice, living out that carefully worded doctrine, well, a little soggy there. Maybe when it comes to practice, oh, we burn for practice. But when it comes to truth, blah. See, our truths or our doctrine, they can be in order, but when we care little for evangelism, when we care little for mission, when we care little for doctrine, when we care little for discipleship, our problem might be that we are totally focused on revelation and we are in trouble with our relationships. I mean, we were created for relationship with God. We were created for relationship even with ourselves. We were created with relationship to others, the world around us at large, and yet at times what we will ignore is that God wants to be the Lord of all of them. And we try to pick and choose. You know, the Lord can be the Lord of my relationship with others today, but just not me. How's that working out for you? Maybe we can just say, well, I'm, I'm going I'm to have the, the Lord be the Lord of me today, but I'm not, sure, I'm not sure he's going to make claim on other people's lives. Yeah, he's going to through you. That's part of mission. That's part of evangelism. See, if we take the image that we're given in Hosea, what we need to be consistently paying attention to is that the flower of our soul is saturated with the oil of the Holy Spirit and not mixed with false dependence on people, popularity, or position. I, I just think today there's two very simple categories for us to, to seek to respond to as a church. Are you burning for the wrong things? God's word doesn't call us to be dispassionate. It calls us to be rightly passionate. Can it be said of you today that you are rightly passionate in what you burn for? What about this, a, a half-baked faith? Maybe, maybe that's, you're looking at that and just going, whoo. I think that might be me. Well, I am reminded this morning that, that a lifestyle of repentance is what we're called to as the people of God. That is acknowledging when it is that our lives miss the mark that God has established for them. What we were created for. And in repentance, what we can do is when we fall short of what he has created or what he has called us to be, when we fall short of those things, what we can do is we can turn from someone or we can turn from something and we can turn to someone who is greater. That's what it means to repent. And we can turn over the things that we are holding and that we are clinging to wrongly. We can turn them over 
to him. So this morning, no matter what you've been trying to mix in, no matter what you've attempted to use as oil for soothing, you can turn to Jesus. Whether you've been following him for a lifetime, whether today is the day that he makes a claim on your life that you will never escape because of the surety of his hold, you can turn to Jesus. He is ready to receive you. I mean, look back at Hosea chapter 6. When I restore the fortunes of my people, when I would heal Israel. Have you been trying to heal yourself? Have you been trying to restore your own fortunes that have been lost in the life that you've been living for yourself? You can turn to Jesus. He is ready to receive you. As our passage began today, he can restore you and he alone can heal you. So church, burn and don't be half-baked by the grace of God. Can we stand together and sing this morning?